I'm not figuring out the dimensions of the Ford outside so that I can figure out how. No, that's not happening. Where the doors go. I would have been dead now. Fake uh, fire escape. What? How? How no? He would be like, it's this way. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, and the friends would be like, all right, I guess it's, these are the chances. He's kind of going to go with it. You got it, sir. Right away. Point me in the, you want me to go first? All right. <laughs> Listen, at this point. This is the worst thing is I'm just not here no more. And that already sounds better. <laughs> and then so. I don't have to do this. Yeah. I never have to do this again. That sounds dope. Like, <laughs> the existential dread that our specific generation has i think would lend us very well to this game uh, yeah. only because we'd be like it's either way i get to leave so i just get to not be here anymore i don't have to play a stupid game yeah love dope it. As we do every so often. Yeah, we are the media literacy show that explores the real life, historical, psychological reasonings behind our cinematic fears. And this month, uh, about we're talking <laughs> about games, horror games, games where you play to survive. Yeah. Do I want to survive, though? That's what yeah. I'll say. Uh, Who are you after you're done surviving? Yeah, like this one just proposed such a scenario that like I just I don't know why anyone would want to be there anymore. Um, <laughs> like this seems like not even fun to think about. Like, would I be there? No, I wouldn't. Yeah, I, <laughs> I would be immediately dead, or I wouldn't be there. <laughs> and there's so many, there's so many games, and I was like, like I'm gonna go through all the different types of games, and I still was like. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm, that, that's not going to work. I like for me. you rant about it in my second. Where it's just like, why would... <laughs> it doesn't even require skill. <laughs> it's half of its luck. Why yeah. even do? Yeah. Um, or some of it's just like reliant on the other people in the, yeah. the world. And it's like, who picks those... Who, who are the people that picks the people? Yeah, like, it's I've, really wild. I feel like it's all chance. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I think there's, yeah, there's just so much to unpack. So we're going to be talking about Alice in Borderland, which is a newish uh, series on Netflix. And pre, you know, was last year and everyone missed it. <laughs> yeah, and then now everyone's really hyped for Squid Game, and I hope that influences you to watch this. This is you know Japanese, and it it's doing its own thing. It's not Squid Game, but if you like the idea of people fighting to survive and playing games to get to survive, then you're gonna like it. Yeah, I feel like when it came out, it was too real. Still, like I feel like mm -hmm. part of what made Squid Game so popular is when it came out. Um, is because like we had already been in the pandemic for a minute where like, I feel like if I watched this right at the start of the pandemic, I would have been very sad because I already was sad. It was already not okay. Uh, but if yeah. I watched it at the beginning of 2020, I feel like I would have been like, we are one step away. I don't know where I was mentally when I watched it, but it what like there are some like things that I don't think hit quite as well because we were in the pandemic and we were like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, yeah that's what the world is, is apocalypse what do you yeah. mean this is new <laughs> it's really you? real like, what do you mean uh so i think that's like gonna be really funny so just prepare for i didn't realize i'd have so much to say and then i started writing it and then i couldn't stop uh, yeah to the point where i don't even know what's still in there so <laughs> we'll see yeah. what the we also brings. like really like the show so it's like it feels the do. and yeah. it it inspired this idea that I have for my own show that maybe one day I'll write. Yeah. 
Exactly. <laughs> the world slows down for a minute. That's but what I, art yeah, does. And, I, and I think my appreciation for it is why I'm like so pumped about this idea of the show that I want to make. So why don't we hop in? Because I have a lot to say and it's going to be all day. <laughs> um, I like to call this uh, section. Gabe, shut up. <laughs> Just write a book already. Um, <laughs> we're talking about Alice in Borderland from 2020. It is about a group of bored delinquents are transported to a parallel wasteland as part of a survival game. And it's directed by Shinsuke Sato and based on the manga that was written by Haro Aso. Um, and I'm really pumped. I want to read <laughs> this manga. My partner has and has confirmed it's great. And it's kind of, they're pretty true to each other. So here's hoping. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like ready to dedicate myself to that. Like put all my other many things that I read on hold. Uh, things I can't tell people that I read in public. Um, <laughs> so let's, <laughs> let's hop in. So... I'll go over the synopsis and then kind of break down into some of the things that I think are being explored in this piece. So get ready to be educated. You're welcome. So uh, the story follows Arasu, Karube, and Shota, who are best friends, and according to the on-screen text, meets M-E-E-T's, which are not in education, employment, or training. So... Presumably nothing, people. Um, Arasu is a gamer, and it seems like his family is disappointed in him. <laughs> this is all, like, within the first moments of meeting him. Karube is a mischievous and wild bartender, lives on the, like, wild side. Uh, that's yeah. who I'm dressed as, if people yeah. <laughs> are wondering why I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Living more untraditionally, as they Yes, say. yeah, more untraditionally, like, free spirit, uh... You know, loving society don't own people me. and stuff. Uh, yeah. And then Chota, who is a salary man, uh, who's really just trying to abide by society's expectation, doing what he thinks is the thing you're supposed to do for society to accept you, and with at the expense of his own happiness. So they're all just sad. <laughs> best friends who are trying to enjoy the life that they have um that's and relatable they, as hell <laughs> he was like yeah that's me we're all just sad <laughs> <laughs> we're all sad best friends trying just to make it to the next to live day tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> uh well these sad best friends meet uh to hang out uh in the city and they through you know their actions and fun uh end up hiding out in a building from police officers and while they're in that building the power goes out uh -huh. and you know they're making childish jokes about like farts or something like they're being really just young boys yeah. um but when they emerge from the building all of the people are gone yep. and it's a stark contrast to the busy shibuya crossing that is notorious for its overcrowding like, it is well known for having way too many people. And just before they enter this building, it was crawling with people. Now everyone's gone. And it's haunting and unsettling to see this desolate space. And these boys, like, immediately split up. And they're like, we got to go find somebody. What's going on? Yeah, like, where people be? And then, <laughs> uh, I, I, and I, this is one of the parts where I'd argue, like, the scene would probably be a bit more unsettling if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic when it came out. Because empty desolate streets were kind of a norm in 2020 yeah. <laughs> you know we had all those tweets maybe it like, helped with filming you know less people <laughs> no, this was... have to be like don't come here <laughs> no because they would have made it before that's fair, that's 2020. fair. Oh, was <laughs> they a, didn't know the pandemic was gonna yeah. happen that's uh they just fair. got lucky but so i think like people probably don't do it but it is it is unsettling and the the kids don't find anybody um and they come to this realization that everyone just up and vanished instantly just gone and you're yeah. like what is this real like are we all having a collective nightmare is that possible um and then a giant monitor on the face of the building flashes the words welcome players the game will commence shortly and immediately i'd be like no <laughs> the game will not commence shortly we have to go um yeah so through all this, they end up participating in a game. It's a, a hellish puzzle where each room features two doors. One is marked live and the other is marked death. Um, like they just end up in this building <laughs> with these other yeah. players. And uh, at first, 
they don't really know what it's going on. They think it's a joke until one of the like participants runs through a door just willy nilly and is just dead. Like yeah. viciously, gratuitously. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, it's one of these kinds of games. Um, and then it gets really real. <laughs> immediately and i don't know how this game was supposed to be solved like i like it's not even i don't even think it was a logic-based puzzle but it was it got solved because arasu figures out the building's dimensions because he saw a car outside and knew its dimensions so he quickly calculates his way out of the maze yeah <laughs> he's like i know how big the build like sir how else was anyone else supposed to do? I like they're just supposed to whittle he down their numbers as people. Video just game, real good. Pick. So now good at this, <laughs> but not even it's just, it doesn't even like a logic. I don't understand. Anyway, I don't understand puzzles <laughs> in the apocalypse ever. And if you want to hear my rants on why I wouldn't do them, you can listen to our Squid Game episode because I tell you all about it. I'm not here for it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> not making me solve a Rubik's cube with a gun to my head. I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, <I've, laughs> it's like, will you do better in this horrific and traumatic scenario? Probably not. No. <laughs> like even people who are good at those things, with the threat of imminent death, I feel like you immediately become bad at them. My brain's like, <laughs> like <laughs> I play, I play puzzle games and I enjoy them because I don't like action games that much. But I rage quit a few times before I ever get to it. And oftentimes I'm looking up the guidebook. I'm like, how I turned the statue three times. I read the, the poem. I don't understand. <laughs> so there's yeah. no way. There's no way. I'm not doing it. I'm not figuring out the dimensions of the Ford outside so that I can figure out how. No, that's not happening. Where the doors go. <laughs> I would have been dead now. Fake uh, fire escape. What? How? I how no? Say, he would be like, it's this way. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, and the friends being like, "All right, I guess these are the chances." He's kind of gonna go with it. You got it, sir. Right away, point me in that you want me to go first. All right. <laughs> Listen, at this point, this is the I worst got. thing is I'm just not here no more, and that already sounds better. <laughs> and then so. I don't have to do this. Yeah, I never have to do this again. That sounds dope. Like, <laughs> thank you. The existential dread that our specific. <laughs> generation has i think would lend us very well to this game uh, yeah. only because we'd be like it's either way i get to leave so i just get to not be here anymore i don't have to play a stupid game yeah love dope it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway they survived because rc's he's Smart. rain man all of a sudden yeah. uh so they survive and they learn upon completion that players are given a visa which allows them to live and not be murdered by a sky laser for a few more weeks because <laughs> that's what happens you get murdered by a sky laser when your yeah. visa's up it's just like zoop from the, up there and now you're dead so it's like a waste of technology <laughs> I don't the things we could solve with the lasers? money used for sky lasers oh, okay <laughs> just thought you were like let's laser our way to to peace um (laughs) (laughs) i was like we have those it's called drone strikes it's a problem we do not endorse any of that Uh, (laughs) anyway as their visas are set to expire they must seek out more games to gain more time so it's like you get a set number of days because you survived this game, and now you got to play more because you'll die at the end of your visa. So you have to just keep re-upping your visa. Yeah. It's just <sighs> like the opposite way you'd want it to go. It's such a nightmare. The games are rated by difficulty with playing cards, which represent those that difficulty. So lower number cards are easier and uh, can be completed easiest. Uh, but then, yeah. like... The uh, but the thing is, they result in lower number of visa time. Yeah. So you get like three days or something. Uh, higher number cards are more difficult, uh, and will give you more visa time. While face cards are just sinister. <laughs> They're just chaos, and like no one is gonna love it at the end. Yeah, um, and they aren't this- available till the end, which is like interesting. Or it seems that way. I don't know yeah, if that's right. Like they're just like who knows what's going on. It's very scary. Um. 
the suits of the cards also give you a hint at to what kind of game you'll be playing. And this is something that you kind of learn as time goes on and you interact with players who've been in the game for longer. Um, clubs are games of balance and collaboration. So multiple people can survive if they work together with clubs. Nice. Um, spades are games of physical strength. And... Uh, you won't catch me in one of those. <laughs> yeah, damn, that's crazy. <laughs> like, no, you want me to scale a building? That's not happening. You want me to run fast? You want me to wow. run, period? <laughs> run, period. Is something chasing me? Because I'm not. <laughs> asthma. Done. Yeah, not happening. Uh, but I guess it really depends with physical strength. Anyway, because, you know, you le- we learned about tug of war. Yeah. Game. You Diamonds, can smarts it. <laughs> yeah, you can get you have a strategy. Uh, diamonds are games of intelligence. Uh, and the higher the diamond number tends, uh, tends to only have one winner. Uh, so yeah. That's um, sad. And lastly, hearts are games of psychology. And according to the Alice in Borderlands, Borderland wiki, uh, it says rules of many hearts games can also tend to mislead the players into believing that it requires sacrificing other players to claim victory, but would otherwise be unnecessary if all participants could calmly deduce the true nature of each hearts game. In fact, it is possible to complete all hearts games, obviously except for the face cards, without having to kill a single person. Uh, and the hearts are the most vicious and difficult games to play uh, and results in the most heartbreaking of episodes. They really, like, psychology is, that's kind of like what all the other, like, murder games are trying to be. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, it's psychology wrapped up in all the other things. Um, whereas, like, clubs, you'd be like, let's be friends, let's team up. Um, unlike Squid Game, this is a strictly play-to-survive scenario. There is no promise of money. In fact, we don't get much in the way of answers for why any of this is happening. Yeah. The show is exciting and stressful as you're trying to solve the puzzles along with the protagonist, and it's heartbreaking in a different way than Squid Game. Um, in those murder games, you know there can only be one winner. In Borderland, there's no real expectation or rules, no like end game insight right like and i mean when you're playing those individual games you have somewhat of an idea of what to expect but even still they're just like those are just maybe (laughs) like how it works and then they like spin it around so when characters die sometimes completely unexpectedly because you don't know what the rules are yet and we just got here uh it leaves the audience incredibly vulnerable and uncertain you're trying to figure it out and the world has its own rules and it it's not not adding up. Um, whereas at least with Squid Game, we have like a f- face to the bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get that in this. So like most uh, apocalypse horror narratives, the how and why of the apocalypse is less important. Uh, sure, there are murder, murder games and people are fighting to survive, but it's more of an exploration of morality which is what our show is about. Um, yeah. When our everyday rules and societal obligations are removed, what do we become? The games pit players against each other, either inherently through the rules or simply in using our survival instincts, where we, like those hearts games, if you're not thinking and working together, you might end up kind of crawling over each other to get to the top. Yeah. Or hurting people that you love. Um, and each game forces the players to consider what they would do to survive, who they would sacrifice, and each time they're sacrificing a bit of their own humanity just for a few extra days of life. Like, <laughs> literally, that's it. So I'm going to jump into some spoiler central uh, to talk about some of the characters and the overall themes of the show. So please go ahead and watch it. It's pretty short. Yeah, it's um, only eight episodes. Yeah, which is, like, crazy for any type of show on the internet. Um, but it's it's enthralling. You'll get through it pretty quickly because you'll want to know. <laughs> and then yeah. you'll be like, we're season two because that's where I'm at. I'm like, I want to know. Um, but also, I'm okay. I'm okay waiting. So this section is called What the Apocalypse Reveals About Who You Really Are. Um, so the show through character flashbacks and uh, specific focus becomes a character study. Uh, we get to learn who these people were in the normal world and see how that affects who they become in this new apocalypse world. For example, um, the character known as Last Boss, uh, his name is 
Takatora Samura is a member of this militia group of villains yeah. who are like terrorizing people. He wields a sword and he has tattoos everywhere and he's an overall bad dude. He's just no good, not good news. Um, bad news bears all through it. And through flashbacks, we learn that Samara is also a neat, though, yeah. you know, not employed or educated or whatever. Uh, he was obsessed in his like normal life. He was like this loner who was obsessed with explorers and like men that accomplished things. Yeah. <laughs> like important, what he deemed was important. And in this world, Samara was able to become a new man, one with power and one that he thought was pretty cool. He was like, to me, like what if you like put a young boy into a video game world where he can be a an adult body, this is what he would look like. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it was it was a very immature like progression for him. Um, but according to an article on Cinema Escapist titled Review, Netflix Alice in Borderland uses sci-fi to highlight Japanese meets woes by Zingting Gong. These character developments are a glimpse into some of the complicated societal strains on millennials in Japan, specifically. Gong says, how each character's past informs their decision and persona in this new world adds another layer of complexity. In this alternate free-for-all reality, does the worst or best of ourselves come to the foray? Though the point above is quite general, there are certain quirks to the colorful characters in the show, show that strike one as being unique to Japan. Despite being a first world country, Japan ranks notably low amongst developed nations and progressive ideologies. A consistently stagnant economy and high-strung working culture place undue stress on Japanese youth. Gender inequality remains a significant issue, with more and more modern Japanese women rejecting marriage altogether. In addition, an incredibly strong collectivist mentality, in tandem with the rise of neoconservatism in Japan, has led to a country that resists a kind of cultural modernization taking roots in other nations across the globe. So, all <laughs> that to say, there are, like, clear influences to society's expectations of young people and how they're supposed to conform to society and how they're not able to actually flourish that makes this kind of immature image that he had of like what is a cool like uh apocalypse villain yeah. is <laughs> like it makes sense like why he would think that like and why yeah. he valued um that image overall and in this article, Gong also goes on to explain uh, the last boss's uh, motivations and need to be special even further, saying Takatora Samora, for example, exemplifies the modern day hermit in Japan. Defined as someone who experiences physical isolation, social avoidance, and psychological distress that lasts six months or longer. A recluse who lives in a dark room and spends all his time writing blog entries with zero viewership. Samura discovers a sense of liberation and purpose in the morally depraved borderland. Japanese collectivist mentality has made it particularly susceptible to hermits, such as Samura, who lack an outlet for individual individualism. In Japanese... Uh, in Japanese, there's a very famous saying, a protruding nail will be hammered down, um, which was explained by a professor uh, that Kat actually talks about in our tag episode. Nice. <laughs> Just like the whole uh, pressure of conformity into fit what is expected of you. Um, and anyone who doesn't fit the bill is put back in line promptly. So he like this is the only chance he would have ever gotten to be free and himself yeah. was in a world where there are no rules and it's chaos and anarchy <laughs> yeah. and so it's like you can't even like blame him even though he's like awful uh and in a place ranked as having the gloomiest millennials japan <laughs> this is according to several sources i found a few uh things funny. about it um it's well, a question funny, of it's sad but <laughs> it's, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. Like... and i and when you're like reading that stuff about like the pressures and the inequality and all that, it like makes a lot of sense. Um, and yeah. like can relate. <laughs> Hashtag can relate. Uh, it's a question of what the show wants us to get out of this new freedom. What does it want us to learn? And when the characters are offered this alternate world where they can become whoever they want, when the rules and expectations that were suffocating and oppressive are removed, and when you can murder people to survive another day against a sky laser, is the message, be careful what you wish for. And will you like the person that you see in the mirror? 
when it's all said and done. Um, it's kind of just like revealing what you're really wanting <laughs> and yeah. realizing like you shouldn't want those things, but we do. I feel like there's a scenario though where you're not in this world and can still not be a person who has to conform to the laws of society in such a way. Like, I, f I feel like this is a very drastic alternative. <laughs> um, that ultimately, like, I don't think at any point allows you to live a life that, like, you otherwise, like, for freedom, because you have three days. Yeah. You got murder to do tomorrow. Not always. They don't always murder. Sometimes they get murdered. They were murdering people all the time. I know, but like, even if you don't directly murder, you are witnessing murder or inadvertently through not protecting certain people, allowing their murder or just through luck. Yeah. Murder is taking place. So I don't know. I just feel like there's not a lot of freedom in that world. <laughs> I think there's like who what other choice is there but to be blech. Yeah. Well know. it also says something about like the kind of person who thrives in a society like that. Yeah. Like if you find power in that place and get to be who you weren't who you couldn't be, like yeah. then maybe you shouldn't be who you were you thought you were supposed to be. <laughs> like maybe yeah. you're a problem. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um in an essay by Brendan Mackey titled Meritocracy and Battle Royale, Mackey explains this power that comes from murder games like Battle Royale and ultimately Alice in Borderland. Uh, to Mackey, these games are the answer to our feelings of ineptitude. Uh, as Kat described in our Squid Game episode, millennials are a generation of people who were told if they worked hard, they get anything they desired. And what we were met with after that hard work was a crumbling economy and anxiety. Lots of anxiety. <laughs> <Volcons>. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we were deceived and lied to and quickly learned uh, the game of society is incredibly skewed in, in favor of the 1% who profit off of that said hard work while we fight for scraps. So games like Battle Royale and those found in Alice in Borderland strip us of society's limitations, rules, and expectations and allow us the actual chance to succeed, even if it's for really nothing <laughs> it's for yeah anyway. i feel like this specific scenario is different <laughs> than standard battle royale but yes. it's fine it's fine it's fine <laughs> yeah which i'll i'll i kind of defer there's okay <laughs> but mackie says battle royale games are the stories kids tell themselves after about this culture of cutthroat competition just like the real world in battle royale games only the one percent win but these games are a fantasy in which this unequal outcome is produced transparently and equitably albeit violently a fairy tale about how the meritocracy should really work. Though it is tough, brittle, and difficult, it is fair, and though you have only a small chance of winning, the forces that oppress you are not unseen. They are clear and distinct. The decks are not stacked. Everyone has the same health, the same armor, the same access to weapons and upgrades. You'll probably die, but you will live and die on your skills alone. Um, the problem here is that we still don't win <laughs> in yeah. Borderland. Uh, and we still don't have control. Like, there's an illusion of control. And we are equal, right? Like, the the strength that we have is whatever we brought in with us. And later, I'll explain, like, also your will to live yeah. is, an, is an object of strength as well. Um, but there is a forced uh, achievement here. And someone else is always pulling the strings. And they win by making you participate, period. Yeah. <laughs> like the fact that you're doing it, like you've already lost. Um, but Maggie further explains that in an article titled Battle Royale from Dystopian Thriller to Cult Classic on Unseen Japan, the author ties Japan's history with our generation's disappointment with society. So there's a lot happening here. <laughs> we're just yeah. like, Battle Royale equals we're really sad. Um, so Alyssa Pearl Fusik has argued that Battle Royale is a commentary on Japan's lost decade, a time when the invisible compact between generations was breaking down. The life of a middle-class Japanese citizen was supposed to be a hard, rewarding climb up the ladder of success from a good college to a good job at a big firm. But in 2000, after a decade of economic stagnation, the salaryman jobs that had once promised a lifetime of reliable employment 
were dwindling. The competition, however, the endless slog of studying and striving was still there. The battle in Battle Royale is a bloody, explicit enactment of this grinding, near-pointless competition. We're just, it's another way, another way that we're trying to find some form of achievement, and it's not there. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's false. Yes. And the struggle for self-worth and sense of achievement is evident in our protagonists right from the beginning. Each of them, um, Arasu, Kurube, and Choda, are trying to simultaneously find their purpose in life while also simply trying to survive in a world that finds their desires, hopes, and dreams to be meaningless, of having no value in a society that places all value on status. And status they were told they could achieve through hard work, only to find it impossible, non-existent even. Just not something they could ever have. And if you're happy with what you have, which is not what society says is good, <laughs> then you shouldn't be happy about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, another character that I want to cover um, regarding this, like, who they were versus who they've become transition and kind of, like, goes into what you were saying, Kat, of, like, really evaluating if, if you, like, why you couldn't do it here. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing uh is Kuina. So Kuina is a is a badass who honestly stole the whole show for me. I was like enthralled as soon as she was on camera. Um and I was like, what's her deal? Uh Kuina is out to not just survive the games. Uh, she has a long con. She wants to escape. And alongside the incredibly questionable Chishia, they attempt to steal the cards acquired by the Hatter, which I'll explain in a moment. Uh, and they eventually get Arasu involved. She ends up going toe-to-toe with Last Boss uh, towards the end of the series and was, like, the coolest battle, <laughs> in my opinion, in this. Uh, yeah. It's intense and exciting. But the best part is Kuina's flashback, which reveals that she is trans. Uh, she's an excellent fighter, and we get to see that she grew up suppressed and judged by her loved ones, and she's forced to fill specific gender roles uh, as expected of her by her father. But unlike the characters in Borderland who needed something like an end-of-the-world scenario to become who they were always meant to be, Kuina had transitioned before the games. Yeah. Uh, out there in the real world, she was fighting to be who she is and to be accepted for who she is. Uh, without <laughs> she didn't need that like the world she lived in was already the end of the world you know yeah uh and so she had already made those changes to be the person that she, Who felt she authentically like she was, supposed was to be. yeah yeah so um queen is also trans in the manga which i found really phenomenal um it's not often we get decent trans representation in horror or apocalypse media including mangas like g like gender representation isn't great <laughs> yeah. and especially in just like Japanese media period um, and if anything there's usually commentary about it within the media because they're like it's wrong here um, yeah. so when you also look at the oppressive society of Japan and its treatment of those nails that stick out you come to truly respect the strength and endurance of Kuina uh, she also completely kicks his ass <laughs> <laughs> she like ruins him yeah. and it's amazing to see this woman like who is so true to herself, just destroy a man who's like loosely held up by his interpretation of what power is. Yeah. <laughs> like he's like, this is what cool man do. And she's like, mm-mm. Just <laughs> like, sure. Sit down. Man. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right. If that's what cool man do, then cool man failed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I just wanted to put that because it's like, honestly, my favorite part. And I got really excited. Yeah. That, like, arc happened. I was like, no way. And then when I heard it was in the manga, I was like, that's it. Yeah. This is the best thing of like in a year. <laughs> um so I just want to talk about the beach, uh, which I'll explain what that is, and hedonism, because I think it's really important in uh in covering shows like this to not just highlight the survival response that forces people to hurt those they care about or to slowly become monsters. There's this whole other response to these stresses and the threats of deaths by ominous sky, laser, ominous sky lasers. And it's the need to live despite all of that, not just yeah. survive, but live <laughs> because that's what this is saying. Like in squid game and battle Royale and all of those, it's like, you want to live to get out in borderland. You're just living to, to, to live, live another day. Yeah. <laughs> like, Every day is a fight. And it's like, I think we can all relate. Yeah. <laughs> um, or many of us can relate. Um, 
Arasu experiences some truly awful trauma. Uh, think of the Marbles episode of Squid Game. Yeah. He has that level of trauma all at once and decides this play to win for only a few extra days lifestyle isn't for him. And he wants to die, which is yeah. a reasonable response yeah. when you're confronted with all of that. And he ends up paired up with this mountaineer, uh, Usagi, who at this time... Uh, we learn of her life through flashback. Uh And she knows all too well what it feels like to want to give up and to no longer try and to lose ambition or drive and your will to live. Yeah. Flat out. She had lost that before the games. <laughs> yeah. She had to like, this is another character that was like, had already figured out their stuff before they before, got into the games. Yeah. Um, and so Asagi asks Arasu, do you want to live? Not do you want to survive or like, Come with me if you want to live. This is, do you want to live? Flat out. Yeah. Uh, And it's important to note here that when she asks, uh, it's during their visa time. It's not in the midst of a game where their lives are threatened. It wasn't like, do do you want to live? We got to get out of here. It was just like, you're just kind of chilling between time. (laughs) Do you want to live? Um, And in an article on Salon.com titled, Forget the Stand, Alice in Borderland is the wild dystopian ride we've been waiting for by Melanie McFarland, they dive into the strength of Usagi, who is motivated by more than just survival, but instead her pure will to keep on living and her refusal to die. Um, They say... Through Usagi's refusal to let Arasu give up, she shows a determination to live within this world as she survives each trial. This may also increase her odds of winning, whatever that means. Watch closely and you may notice that she and other players who who clear impossible games and navigate dangerous alliances share a drive to move forward as opposed to being motivated by the chance to return to their old lives. Um, It's kind of like how we have said horror like fans react quicker to trauma and like and are able to kind of get to the next thing quicker because we process them it's kind of like that like they're um they're not just like said like i gotta get home i gotta get out of here it's like no we are here so we gotta do it we gotta do what we gotta do now and we're doing it because we want to live yeah. We don't want to just survive. And so with the help and motivation of Usagi, uh, Arasu continues his fight to survive and eventually learns of an apocalyptic paradise within the game world known as The Beach. Uh, participants live there where they party, do drugs, have sex, and have an overall good time before going out on group excursions to complete games as a team. Yeah. Honestly, sounds genius to me. Uh, and if I somehow survived literally any of these damn mind or p- physical games, I'd be lying for the beach. <laughs> was yeah. like, this place is lit. I am here <laughs> for the beach. Like, for, like everyone I know is gone. I don't know if I'm going to live tomorrow. I'm not making any decisions anymore. Yeah. I'm just having fun. I don't care. I'm not training. Like, no. Like, <laughs> it's not happening. So uh, the, bre- the beach is run by the Hatter. Get it? Because Alice... Yep. Uh, who seems to have figured out the bigger picture or tells people that he has. He's seeking to acquire all the cards uh, to get a full deck. And he believes that any player who acquires the deck will be given the chance to return home. Uh, I stress acquire because he doesn't earn them. Yeah. Uh, others do, and they give it to him because they're blissed out. And he's the leader, and he doesn't really tell everyone that that's the way. He also kind of alludes that everyone will get to go. Eventually, yeah. Revealed it's just him. Um, And I don't actually, like, care about that. (laughs) Like, the guards or whatever. Uh, It is an important discovery and definitely causes a lot of chaos in the show, but I was like, I don't care. Um, (laughs) I don't care who's doing it. I don't care what's happening. I just want to talk about the people. So... I want to talk about hedonism in the shadow of death. Uh, People tend to think fear is the only way to control the masses into subservience. You know, you read 1984 in high school and it makes sense. It does. Uh, Big brother, thought police, manipulation, neighbors tattling on neighbors, alternative facts, etc. All are very real ways governments and people in power have controlled people. But I think the most accurate and honestly frightening ways to accomplish this is actually by catering to humanity's uh, hedonism. Yeah. 
people like pleasure. Uh, in Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, we see that people completely ignore their oppression when they're given a distraction like drugs or good feelings. Yeah. <laughs> they're literally like, you feel good. And they're like, cool. Uh, you are happy. And they're like, yeah. So I don't care. Um, and I'd argue that our current society is a wonderful mix of both Orwell and Huxley's proposed futures where there's, you know, surveillance and oppression and also drugs. Yeah. <laughs> and intense pleasure and social media. It's all it's it's a big old mix. Yeah. Uh, and the beach made so much sense to me uh, when like that's what I always feel like we're missing in apocalypse is that people like totally miss out the fact that people are just going to have a good time when they think the world is going to end. Well, yeah, you think, like, the first purge, like, they were partying instead yeah. of murdering. Yeah, or even, like, I hate to use this as an example, but there was, like, a Rick and Morty episode where they were going to planets that were about to die. Like, yeah. Ends, and the people were, like, because they were, like, the best parties because everyone was, like, we don't have any rules. And some really awful, questionable things happened at those yeah. parties um, to the point where when one of those planets survived the next day, it was very awkward for the people who were still yeah. here. But imagine if you didn't have to, like, face the consequences of that party the next day. Then you're going to party the hardest that you've ever partied. Party the hardy. <laughs> party the hardiest. Um, <laughs> and, uh, if you were plopped into an apocalypse where death lingered right outside in the sky, lasers, and you were forced to play games to survive just a few more days, and for who knows how long and to what end, no answers, wouldn't you desire some reprieve? Yeah, that's yeah. fair. When there are no rules and we have to fight to survive, people become monsters. Yes. That's true. But we're social creatures that also have simple needs and desires, flat out. And those don't go away because death is here. That's real. Trauma manifests in many ways, and overindulging in narcotics or sex is one of many ways to escape the horrors outside. We are in the middle of an entire panini press. We are all doing these things. Yeah. <laughs> like every one of us is trying to cope, right? Um, so I was so appreciative of this show, uh, this part of the show specifically, because we don't often spend time in the in-between of murder games. True. Usually characters are dropped in and they fight to the end. But what happens when there's no end and this is just the new normal? We don't just murder and resort to anarchy and chaos. We live. Yeah. We're being reckless. Sure. We don't know if the people we share our bed with today will be here tomorrow. And we don't know if we'll be here tomorrow. More than is the case now, because we are all actively dying all the time. But I yeah. mean, like, it's like, incredibly present. There are sky lasers. Um, <laughs> so I felt that this was the most natural and interesting response to the apocalypse, was just to have a good time. And I would be there. <laughs> it's like, if I'm gonna be in the apocalypse, this is where I want to be. Yeah. Anyway, the last point I'll make is the ones in charge, or whoever, whoever yeah. they are. Because in the end, we there's a jarring discovery. Uh, we don't know anything and there are no answers type of discovery, which reveals that there are, in fact, people pulling the strings. But who are they? Yeah. Why are they doing this? How are they doing this? Skylaker laser technology. What is that? Yeah. And for whom are they doing this? <laughs> like, we don't know anything. We just, all we know is that there are villains out there uh but and they're probably rich because that's how that works yeah. uh but we already knew that <laughs> so the ending is pretty lackluster to me because i was like yeah you just like it was like the reveal was like somebody has been behind this all along and it was like okay yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no one <laughs> we this knew thing that just not, didn't just happen like yeah. clearly this was like curated someone thought of games like games take work yeah i read the hunger games yeah they yeah, hired they people have... to do it yeah. like to set them up <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, that's not, that's not how this works. Um, but I also really appreciated the vague answer of the puppet master because it, because it's still like a good question of like, who is it who can have this power? Um, and also like, odds are they don't have the power. Someone else does. Right. Um, and I do hope there is a season two where we can explore that further. But honestly, who's doing it and why? Uh, probably which people for kicks or views or more money or status or whatever. Americans it's that day, <laughs> yeah, Tuesday uh, is the least interesting part. Uh, in the apocalypse, it's never the monsters or situations that are horrifying, but the people who are just trying to live. And each one of us has the potential to be a monster, so we already knew that. 
So what do we do instead when we're just trying to like live the day by day and also survive? Yeah. That's all. It's me in my twenties. <laughs> yeah. Just go. Like, yeah, yeah I don't just know who do. this person is in the bed. Whatever, go. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> I also don't know if I'll You're be here tomorrow. To tomorrow. It's you know? kind of a it's a, woo. It's a toss up. Yeah, toss that up. was me in my early twenties, one thousand percent. I lived Alice in Borderlands, but without the sky lasers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The lasers were a, uh, drinking and bad choices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same. <laughs> Hello, Same. we're here. <laughs> the so. gloomiest generation, baby. Yeah, we're already accepted the inevitable demise of ourselves. And in fact, yeah, all right, cool, that's fine. Yeah, just figure it out. We don't have any, like, property. Got nothing tying us down. All the things that they said were, like, made you worth something is not available anymore. So we're we're just all worthless? I don't think so. I don't think that works. So instead, we need to find worth in other things, like drugs and sex. So let's do it. Birds this do is it. this is not um, <laughs> it's not an endorsement for <laughs> endorsement for drugs and sex. Um, but it's also not not endorsement. For yeah, drugs. I think it depends like on what drugs. But yes, and con- t- and consent responsibly, yeah. responsibly and consents to both. The, like, we saw climax, so you also mm-hmm. got to consent to the drugs ahead of time. Yeah, because yeah. um, not yeah. it's a bad time. Safe environments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I'll say some stuff. I'm gonna do it. Um, So this show is really stressful for me. And Gabe, I'm not gonna lie. I appreciate it much more after hearing your stuff because I I didn't not like it, but I also like didn't get it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I understood. I was just like, there's no way I would live through this. (laughs) So like, I don't even want to think about what that would be like. but yeah, the most interesting piece of the show for me is that it there wasn't a prize. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like you win something. You just win tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and that, like, it is interesting that, like, humans in general are very, like, resilient, adaptable. That's why we live for so long. That's why we occupy every area of the planet and operate entirely differently based on whatever our climate requires us to. Um, Mm -hmm. Like we Mm -hmm. somehow manage to survive every, for the most part, almost every area of this planet. Kind of. And that means we're very adaptable. Like as a species, we're able to kind of, we're not exclusive to one area. So the thing that was very hard for me though, is that the scenario that Alison Borland proposes seems inherently different to me than a lot of, the others that exist in terms of like, what would happen if society no more? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, at the end of it, I was kind of just like, why would I want to even be there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now after listening to your section game, I'm like, are we already there? Yeah. Ooh. So why do you do it now? Yeah. And just keep doing it there. <laughs> it's, 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 it's like a inevitability that i never even kind of considered is gonna haunt me probably now (laughs) um but surviving alice the alice scenario requires an entirely different set of knowledge and adaptability skills i would argue like they don't require skills at all it's mostly luck um in that like you don't know what kind of game you're going into before you get there and thus like can't really prepare and some Mm -hmm. of the games even like you go in and only one person can live Mm-hmm. So, like, you don't know that you're going in that game ahead of time. It reminds me of the Marvel game of Squid Games because, like, you think you're – you team up thinking, mm-hmm. like, oh, we're both going to do it. And it's like, that's your best friend. And now they're dead because yep. of that. <laughs> and it's just like um, – and I also just have never been lucky. So I just think I would do bad. Do very bad. And it's just like – while in some ways I agree it does even the playing field, it also encourages people to abandon like any semblance of hope uh, mm-hmm. and lean into cruelty in a lot of areas. Like I, I feel like a lot of the scenarios I get setting up is like the hearts games. You could have figured it out, mm-hmm. but isn't it easier to just murder everybody? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's really just wow. But humans, as I said, are extremely resilient and adaptable. And I find it hard to believe that, while I find it hard to believe that anyone would like really want to survive this kind of scenario, I do believe that like instead of wanting to, people would just do 
because of like this baseline human instinct to survive. Like if we're in Alice in Borderland right now without sky lasers, arguably that's what I've been doing these past few years. Yeah, just do um, just doing and living. Uh, before finding love specifically, now I have like attachments, and I'm like, that's lame. <laughs> Dang it! Before I would have just like totally went out swinging. Now I'm like, oh, I have to think though. Now, yeah, now <laughs> I, I to gotta like take consider. vitamins. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I wasn't thing. doing that before. Um, now I want to be here. It's lame, uh, but it's not. It's good. It's good. <laughs> no, probably. No, it's good. It's good. Everyone um, should want to be here. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's it's it is interesting that it creates this understanding. Like people don't want to win, but the dread alone of what would be necessary to survive. I feel like. Yeah, the before time where I didn't think current life was Alice in Borderlands. Um, I would definitely be in the I'm not going to participate in just die regular police category. Uh, sky laser for me. Sky laser. I know, but like sky laser <laughs> while I eat ramen happily in a okay. building that isn't yeah. mine, I guess. I don't know. But um, I think the most devastating piece of this is that like because of the luck factor, it is interesting like the ways in which where if you go in with people you like, mm -hmm. there's a new devastation you'll find that'll make it harder for you to keep going. Arguably, where if you were like uh, the two characters that kind of figured that out beforehand, um, they kind of hinder you in a way. Uh, the people who figured it out beforehand have like more skills to kind mm -hmm. of deal with this because they've already figured out a way to exist outside of what their pre-life was mm -hmm. um for this sake sake of this episode let's pretend we want to survive um <laughs> what would you need in your wheelhouse to do to do that in my opinion it's just an acceptance that trying in any real capacity is futile um and the only real thing that you can do is go to the beach drink party until you ultimately die um and i feel like yeah it's a more glamorous way to go out then I agree with Gabe and that like hedonism is a more glamorous way to go out than just sitting in a building and waiting for sky lasers. Um, <laughs> but the most devastating piece for me is that like who you get to be at the end of that. I feel like Arisu and uh, the other characters like Usagi. I, yeah, Usagi and um, Kalina and yeah. Chisia. Yeah. Chisha. Arguably those two did some stuff. Yeah. They kind of leaned into the chaos where I would argue Arisu and uh, Usagi kind of like still kind of maintain their goodness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But also everyone's just trying to survive. Uh, but I think something that's generally interesting about these kinds of scenarios and where society collapses is the way that the brain organizes itself as a way to adapt to this environment. Um, and it's really fascinating. Our trauma responses are very unique to each of us. Um, and in many ways they can help you in many ways they can harm you. It all kind of ties back to everyone's favorite. What if scenario is what would you do? So that idea collapses. What if zombies though, you know, mm -hmm. um, it all always kind of links up with whether people are doing well in the society that already exists. Um, and I think the way you kind of set it up gave with the whole, the neat scenario, uh, that there are a lot of people who already weren't fitting in. And that's something I think as millennials, we relate to a lot, uh, in America even too, is that like a lot of us already don't conform to what society has decided we were supposed to be doing um, mm -hmm. because we don't have the ability to like we went to some of us went to college. College is an equal house now. Um, we have no <laughs> belongings that tie us to any sort of. The only thing that ties us to needing to exist in a society is that the government has made it so that we do not know how to survive without it, uh, specifically mm -hmm. in terms of finding food, shelter, and like everyone in the zombie scenarios, they got to build a base and like sustainable ways of living somehow. And I feel like in our society, we have not been given those skills. Nope. Um, but because of the fact that we are millennials and we have already accepted the ways in which that the government will let us down, uh, we will probably do better in these scenarios than many generations before us who had something to lose. Mm -hmm. um, I would say like Gen Z, Gen Z and us, like we have a lot less to lose majority wise uh, than the generations before us. And we've already accepted the ineptitude of the government. So we've already started to like look into that kind of stuff. Like we've looked into sustainable living. We've looked into driving instead of having a house, like just mm -hmm. traveling the country. Uh, we've looked into planting gardens. Yeah. We've learned to live without and to not rely yeah, on them. Exactly. Like we've 
operated in this new version of ourselves, understanding that like the government ain't it and they're not going to help us or we're not going to get a slice of pie. We're not going to get the things that were promised to us. Or even if they weren't promised, we're not going to get anything that great. Yeah. Everyone under 40 is kind of accepted nothing good is ever happening again. Uh, except for yeah. like what we make in the day. You know what I mean? Like, and I, while I think that doesn't lean to like everyone just embracing hedonism forever, I think it does lean to like people being more authentically here in the moment, as well as just like prepare, like we would probably survive zombies in most instances because yeah. we already operate outside of what society offers. So like yeah. our connection to this post-apocalyptic world is already there. Yeah. So I just find that really interesting. And I think it's like a collective understanding with many people of our generation or just like and on that we've had to fend for ourselves and we'll continue to do so no matter what way society offers. Um, preferably not sky lasers, though. Mm -hmm. um, I'd rather not sky lasers. I think of all the scenarios in which the apocalypse would happen. I don't want zombies either. Yeah. Like... But sky lasers seems like, why not for, hedonism for, then? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, there's no other really, you just kind of got to yeah. do. We're like, yeah. the other scenarios do present some semblance of hope um, mm -hmm. that I think Alice of Orleans Yeah, because the, zom the zombies are going to die off. Yeah. Like, if you read World War Z, like, they're going to die off. Yeah. But I do think it's, like, kind of cool. Like, we've been, it's messed up. But kind of cool that we've been given this reality in which that the collapse of society isn't going to destroy most of us uh, mm -hmm. emotionally. Like we aren't so attached to what society was before in our current forms that that act in of itself would make us break. Um, yeah. And I feel like a lot of the older generations, unfortunately, like probably would because yeah. they're still reaping the benefits of what their version of society has been. I would argue um, that many of us are actively trying to sabotage society now. Yeah. So like we're, we're all kind of needs and that there's nothing so wrong with that. If anything, that kind of Alice and Borderland kind of showcases the ways in which that existing within that realm already sets you up to kind of do well when society inevitably will collapse. Uh, and many people will thrive in that scenario in a way that I think that would be different than zombies specifically, because it wouldn't lean into necessarily cruelty. It would just lean into what we have with, uh, Kuna and, uh, Usagi and that like they've already learned how to exist outside of that and that that will allow them to continue living no matter what kind of happens because mm -hmm. their tomorrow is within themselves unless their attachments to all these things and that's what everyone says enlightenment's based off of so yeah I think it's that we we place value on different things than the generations before us and those things aren't like tangible in the same way so if we were put into a post-apocalyptic apocalyptic world we still have those things that we value um, yeah and i th think what's different about like versus like a zombie apocalypse situation is like usually in those narratives we see like people become evil and are like preying on each other yeah whereas like although that was like happening a bit in the beach and there was like power trouble yeah really people were just like we want to like it was like the the first purge like people were like we want to party we want to hang out with each other and enjoy what we have because all we know is we have today <laughs> like we do yeah. we are 100 not guaranteed tomorrow and we have to keep going out and risking our lives we might as well enjoy the little bit of lives that we have yeah. while we have it and together and everyone kind of was letting each other just live like they yeah. weren't great like there's you know some shady things going on for sure but i think the core was like you keep people in line by just letting them be happy yeah and i mean that's totally true and i think it's interesting i don't know if i would have gone to the beach if i'm being real i feel mm -hmm. like i'd be like can i find one person i don't hate and then i'll hang out with them and we kind of just rock until we've just continue to do that. Um, accepting that death is around the corner. I don't like people enough that I would want to go to a place where there's a lot of them all the time. Um, so I, I would probably just be like still a loner and still be outside yeah. of what even the new society. I'd be like, eh, eh. I'll still find my, my, my ways to enjoy myself. Maybe I also have drugs, but I'm just not at the beach right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. But 
I do think it's interesting because it's like its own little mini microscope of society or what is that called? A little ecosystem mm-hmm. that's doing its own different oppressive thing. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I feel like I we think... might live, but also why? But also like maybe. But I mean, that's the question now, right? It's like, <laughs> why? But I, I, I like your, that idea of like, we would survive better. Because like in the show, I can't, there weren't many people who were much, like I would say Gen X was in there. Yeah. But I don't know if there was any prior generation. Like there weren't the old people in there. No. Like at all. They and all went out like, in the beginning, I guess. Like, or they just like, what or were the they old do? ones? The old ones are the ones pulling in the strings because they're the only ones that still benefit from that society. So the, the meats or neats are um, the ones who aren't adhering to that society. Did I just break? Did I just figure out the whole thing? Because they're the so ones, because there's no old people in the thing. Like, there's yeah. arguably not a lot. So and everybody who's yeah. in there is kind of people who already existed, not all, like traditionally within society so maybe this is their way to get rid of all those people i think it's like i think it's a great piece to explore in a way that i feel like hasn't been explored just like the different ways we survive when society has collapsed like we we yeah we kind of see the same narratives of like people are awful and when their backs against the wall they're gonna hurt people they love but i didn't like the characters didn't really do that like the ones that we were following like they were yeah. not doing that. Like we didn't see the corruption of them. We just saw the perseverance of them, despite the fact that this is gloomy as all get out. It's like the yeah. worst. Like, and it's the worst scenario out of like the rest of them because there is no out. Like, yeah, presumably no out. So it's like if that if in a world where there is no out, you get better people <laughs> versus like worlds where there is kind of an out there and there's yeah. worse people. It's like so interesting. If there's me. a it's return, like, then it's, it's different. Where like, if there's not, then it's just like, just be We're yeah. cool. And just it's like, what happens? Do. Like, who knows if this is just a simulation and if you die, you're back in the world now. Like yeah. you, you don't know. Cause we don't know how we got here. We don't know what that would be a fun is. twist. Right? Like, real, yeah, it's real. a matrix, you know? Um, I was expecting that. Honestly, I was like, when <laughs> the horrible things happened in that one episode, I was like, wait, what? How does the show keep going? Oh, then it must be like, we're going to leave. But we didn't leave. Yeah. <laughs> we're still just trying. I was like, this is awful. And like this, the reason I pitched this one was because it really broke me as like, when I first watched it, because I was like, one, there's no way I survived. But it really felt so hopeless that I was like, yeah. Why, out of all of them, this is the one I don't want to. But then, like, when we were revisiting, like, now, I was like, maybe it's the most, most beautiful of them. <laughs> maybe it actually, maybe I get it uh, in a way that I didn't know. So maybe watch it twice. Uh, watch yeah. it with a friend. Watch it, listen to this episode. Watch it again. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. like, give it a shot. Um, it was good. It's good. I appreciate it more now after this than I did, I think, while I was currently watching it. So. Hey, that's yeah. good i'm glad and i yeah i hope other people feel that way and if you do make sure to leave us a comment uh and that you're subscribed to us you can shoot us an email at the ghouls next door at gmail.com to let us know what your thoughts are if you have any recommendations if there's manga out there that are about murder games we should read or if there's a show oh there um, has to be more i'm sure there's so many yeah <laughs> everyone like is not- miserable now so they're making them now like, and they've been like, miserable we need an like- out. <laughs> they have been miserable <laughs> that's why i'm just like we are already anarchists i don't understand like put us in the apocalypse we're like okay yeah <laughs> it's like very home. real like i think i used to think i wouldn't survive but now i'm pretty sure like i would have a hard time because i need medicine but like yeah. other than that like i'm not gonna be murdering people mm-hmm. i'm just gonna just be like all right we live now we're just doing this different if anything there's a lot less people I got to deal with. And that sounds nice. <laughs> and you know what? The thing about this one is like versus like the zombies where like the outside was terrifying. It's mm-hmm. not like you can go to a pharmacy, break in and get the stuff you need. Yeah. And Alice in Borderlands 100%. You just hope the pharmacy isn't a game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like they, they would tell you that there are games and stuff going on. But yeah. like, yeah, you could like walk like you could get whatever you want because basic yeah. surviving was allowed. It was like. Yeah. That's why they have go a get food, so live, go to the you know? mall, yeah, yeah, like, do all <laughs> that stuff. Reestablish There's society, no but also now everyone goes and plays murder games sometimes. And honestly, yeah. 
in the middle of the pandemic, we're all playing a bit of a murder game by leaving yeah. the house. So yeah. <laughs> we leave outside. We talk to other people. We take tr- public transit. You're playing a murder game. Yeah. <laughs> the murderers by the, the pandemic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we're all doing it. Yeah. So that's that's murder games. We're not covering Battle Royale. Although I'm like, maybe one day. Yeah. Um, it's just what are like, rules? If we There's did, no rules. Let's just do it. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) next month we'll have something really fun and nice for us it'll be nice it's totally different so be prepared for something unique to the ghouls um and then in the new year we make it that far uh we'll be back to our old games yeah our old old ways of mischief (laughs) mayhem yeah (laughs) all right well don't get married Look at your kids. Yeah. Your Who kids even wants to have kids in this, in this economy? World. You know? Yeah, right? In this Who wants to bring more humans in panorama? this panorama? Yeah. <laughs> you want to bring a whole other Lady press. Here? I don't need this. Well, bye. I hope we don't end up in a in a murder game together. I don't want sky lasers. I just feel like that's excessive. Just let just let it regular. Apocalypse. I will say this. I, this is like most murder games. I hope if I end up in one. That you're not there. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's the one place I'm like, I don't, I don't need my you. buds. Yeah, yeah. I don't need them. I don't need my friends. I need someone who doesn't know my personality already so that there's expectations already there. Yeah. I need nothing holding me friends back. friends that I don't have to care just, about. Really. Why have friends? Yeah, they're just, just there. Second times, You are you know? all you, man. Living in a moment. I could be somebody. Like, yeah, you could be somebody new. <laughs> You should see me when I go a place and no one knows who I am. I'm like, this is like a wonderful masking opportunity. I'm going to see who I am today. Let's go. <laughs> Let's find out. Who do you yeah. think I am? That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that sounds great. I, can do I do well meeting new people. So. Oh, I don't. I'm also, but I can I'm pretend. Very good. I'm also a very interesting person in a short span of time. Like people, when they first meet me, are like, oh my God, you're so cool. And then when they like get to know me a little longer, they're like, oh, whoa, hold on. That's hilarious. That was you back there. Opposite experience almost always. No one likes me right away. They're like, wow, she was awkward. (laughs) She said all the wrong things. And I'm like, it gets better (laughs) with time, maybe. No, no. I'm like a sorry. Or it doesn't. I I think there's like a middle period that's like that's when the illusion kicks in. Yeah. (laughs) You've been with me for four years almost. Five years? It's been a long time. You still kind of like me. Yeah. I still like you. Yeah, Yeah, we passed the test. But yeah, Yeah. I've always considered myself a siren, you know, like a Laura Min cool song. But then you get up close and you're like, ah, monster is drowning me. And I'm like, sorry, bud. That's how she is. So if people just had to interact with me in small doses, they would think I'm really cool. And then they're going to die. So it doesn't matter. (laughs) You know, like they're not going to get to know. We don't get to see what happens. Okay? <laughs> it's, it's good. I love it. Uh, so... it I'm a fish, not a person. It's <laughs> the first thing I say. And they're like, what? <laughs> okay, I don't want a fish go. friend. You have to get out of here. <laughs> and I was like, hey, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And I was like, it worked. I'm a fish too. Yeah, it worked out. We're both fish. <laughs> Um, (laughs) i don't know why i thought that was so funny but it was oh my god all right well bye everyone bye Uh, good luck in the other games that is just every day yeah in 2020 it's not sky lasers it's just poverty and oppression there's not food that's good for you